0: Welcome back to the Head, Heart, and Boots podcast.
1: I'm Chris. And I'm Brandon. Join us as we wrestle with what it takes to transform ourselves and the businesses we lead. Man, I love this industry. Christopher. Hey. Dude, we, before we,
0: we hit record, we had quite, a, quite an exchange going. Should we, do well, we, do we relive that for... You know, there? sometimes we have a pretty quick path to agreement. And other times, it's you know, a, we, yeah, you know, more of a dance, yeah, a little more of a dance, a little but bit more of a dance. Anyway, we yeah. figured it out. Yeah, we got our topic dialed in. Yeah, I'm excited
1: about this one actually, and clearly from the last few weeks of focus for you, you're excited about part of this conversation as well. You know, one of the things I think is hilarious has nothing to do. with I get show,
0: fixated right? on things sometimes. <laughs> you, uh, you know? I can. I'm a little bit uh, uh, that, that whole you get a bee in your bonnet kind of thing. Yeah, right. I get a little. Get, obsessive uh, get keyed in on something and yeah. boy howdy you're not gonna forget about it uh-huh. i've learned this about myself though like, you know like one funny way it sort of shows up is i like you know this i'm into gadgets yeah like i just yeah well, i don't know new stuff howdy. like the latest and great like i, I kind of get into some of that yeah and sometimes i just get so enamored with something that it becomes a distraction and it's just better for me to buy it and get it over with and have it show up in that Amazon box or elsewhere, right? Like it's just uh, sometimes I, you just do the calculus. You're like, okay, <laughs> how much am I going to spend on this? And then how much time am I going to save for looking at it, reading reviews, watching YouTube videos? Like yeah, if I just pull the bottom. trigger, move the heck on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know how that relates really to I'm not whatever. sure if that's strategically a good plan. I, but, think, it's a, I think it's a byproduct. Honestly, and probably some people can relate to this. I am one of those ADD guys and of course I think nowadays it's just really like everybody has ADD right well if you're a college student you have it but I got diagnosed like her. my parents took me to the doctor they were so frustrated like man he can he's always forgetting to turn in his assignments his backpack looks like a cluster of like a like a paper tornado <laughs> and and they took me to the doctor just totally exasperated they're like what is what is going on with our kid he's bright but he just he can't manage to Put the toilet seat down or turn in his homework, you know. But boy, is he special! And then they, yeah, and then they get you know, gave me the Ritalin, and all of a sudden, Chris is just a wonder kid. He's <laughs> doing his homework and stuff again. But guys, like a laser beam. But they told I remember back in the days, like this was a a byproduct is that ADD people have this sort of outsized ability to hyper focus, like put blinders on, and they can just sink into kind of a tunnel. And I get that way sometimes. Oh yeah. I, I think it shows, it to varying degrees, it's like, it can show, it can be a little bit obsessive, you know? Yeah. But it can also be a superpower. So, you know, whatever. There's the Occasionally, I got to buy some gadgets and just clear my head. That's you know? right. Yeah. Well, Joe Rogan
1: has a theory on things that you should get done before you make any big decisions. Oh, uh, so let's we'll not, let people you know what? check that out. Let's not. Own. Well, Brandon, yeah. you look, just... You look that one up, direct. Joe Rogan. Look, yeah. Uh, stop it. Or not. Okay. okay. Sponsors, man. Because <laughs> we do have a, a good topic keyed in that I want to
0: get to. And we need to talk about our our sponsors. sponsors. That's right. Um, Answerforce.com. Right now, while you were listening to this, there's a call coming into your office. Who's answering it? If your receptionist's not there, what's happening? Is this forwarding to some rando person? Uh, One of your JFCs is picking it up. One of your uh, crew chiefs that happens to be in the shop and hears the phone ring. Are they giving that same... Are they giving that opportunity the same treatment as your full-time receptionist, your professional scripted trained receptionist probably not right answer force can fill that gap though and there's absolutely no reason regardless of what size of company for you not to onboard I and mean, we're talking about a few hundred dollars a month this isn't a this isn't a $5000 a month you know kind of new thing this is a really flexible affordable platform for you to have professional call intake whether your receptionist is out on lunch or maternity leave or in an all company meeting at all hours, you'll have the capacity to answer your calls professionally and convert those opportunities into actual jobs that you go out and work on. That's the value of Answer Force. It's not just for somebody who's starting a business out of the living room. No. It's for companies like Brandon and I work with all the time. We've recommended Answer Force. We think it's a really great solution. So it's it's worth doing a demo, no matter what your situation is. Yeah. And see how it can become a part of your tool belt, help you respond to Influx of calls, handling those breaks, those off times when you don't have somebody. After hours. All of that. Right. Absolutely. Why, so, why burn out our people on something that we can partner with? Yeah, no joke. Okay. Why take a chance with your call intake? I mean, shoot, how much money do you spend just to get that phone to ring, right? That's right. So go to answerforce.com forward slash floodlight. And then CNR Magazine. Yes, sir. CNR Magazine is the hub. That's kind of how I'm thinking about them. They, they're the water cooler the restoration industry. It's where you get the real information. It's where you get the latest and most up-to-date info on what's happening with mergers and acquisitions, what moves are big companies making, what technology are they rolling out and deploying, right? It's what are the latest you know vendors that are coming into our space. All of that stuff, including RIA, all the best practices. Cool. Yeah, right. So just yeah. be there. Follow them on LinkedIn. Subscribe to their their site and their newsletter. That's right. And guys, last but certainly not least...
1: Liftify, liftify liftify.com forward slash floodlight. Let's just put it this way. Teams that onboard Liftify and deploy it correctly are winning. Mm -hmm. Top ranked teams. Currently, right now, top ranked teams in regard to their own internal Google activity, Google review activity, are onboarding Liftify. And they're going from the number one seat to going to be pretty damn hard to catch them seat. Yep. Is, is really what it's doing. So this isn't only for those that, that have a broken system that your team has not found any ability to consistently gain five-star reviews, but this is for the champions, right? This is for those that have built a system and they, and they find out that Liftify can actually even enhance that performance. And I think we talked a couple episodes about one of the teams, they had a 48% increase. They went from it's 600 lifetime yeah. To a thousand yeah. in the first, I want to say 60 days that they onboarded Liftify. Yeah. So, again, they're doing the work. They're doing the good job. Yeah. They've got the opportunity, and Liftify is just maximizing that opportunity. They're hitting the 20, 25% engagement rate on, on five star reviews, which is unheard of, man.
0: Yeah, That's Lift, unheard of. Liftify is for winners. So, if you're a winner, go to liftify.com forward slash floodlight. That's right. Yeah. And now you have no choice because yeah. we know you're all winners. Get going. Hey, have you ever heard this saying? This is an
1: interesting saying. Okay. Let's sit on this for just a second. Okay. okay. Winners beat losers and champions beat winners. Yeah. It's clever. i always loved that. I heard that a while, like quite some time ago, multiple years ago. And I thought to myself, golly, is that a, that's a good you know, way to think about things? You, all right. Yeah. There you winners go. Winners partner with Liftify. Liftify.com forward slash Mm, floodlight. All right, gang, let's get into this. Yeah, what are we talking about, man? Okay, so you and I have been kind of chewing on a couple different concepts. But recently, one, just kind of multiple things started to point at it. And it was this idea of starting with the end in mind. And I think for some of those, some of you that listen to our show, if you heard, we had a really popular episode, changing our project manager mindset. And yeah, that thing, it just crushes. It's, It's had so many plays, I can't even... It's crazy. Anyways, part of that I think we even reference this whole starting with the end in mind. Like, critical project management is this stewarding of relationships, understanding where you're headed. Right. But more recently, I had this really awesome kind of word picture or, or kind of correlation that I heard somebody reference and it was billiards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Playing pool. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, if I'm playing pool, It does not look like this, but when I play play pool, it's more cursing shots that don't follow any element of geometry whatsoever. It's a shit show, tire fire, if you will. However, champions, Uh the folks that play billiards well, every single shot is thought through. And what's most important is where they leave the ball. Mm. Right? Because after they they make that shot, shot. yeah, it's all about the next shot. Right? So for them, it is similar to chess. Right? If somebody's playing chess, they're starting with the end in mind. Their strategy is predetermined and they begin taking steps and initiating actions to execute on that strategy because they know where they want to be by the end. Right? And so I think when I heard that word picture again recently or that correlation to a billiards table, I was like, gosh... That's interesting. And one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about is helping leaders shift from. Yeah, can I
0: actually hang on that? I just, yeah, yeah. Because I just watched a video on billiards randomly. See, it's weird YouTube, how this baby. stuff works, right? I, I, lo- I love it and I hate it, right? I love just so much awesome stuff right out they there were but, listening to us. But there's an interesting angle to that, that analogy, right? Because when a real billiards player, like what you're talking about in terms of shot placement, and where that cue ball ends up right they shoot in a particular way to apply english to the ball to get the ball to end up where they want it and the and the ball that they were hitting to obviously go in the pocket right 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 but there's a specific strategy and movement they deploy to get the ball to do what they want it to do That's afterwards right. it's 100% proactive it's 100% proactive and it's there's a skill that they're applying to their behaviors and their choices, right? So there's this, oh, yeah. there's this, re- there's a deep correlation here, right? To what we're talking about. Oh, hundred percent. And I, and I think
1: another way that we think about this pretty consistently, or, a, or a, at least that we communicate in different scenarios we're in, is this idea of leading activities or leading behaviors. And so one of the ways that we reference that is, I think in general, it's pretty normal for most companies to learn at least the basics on what are the things that we're measuring? What are the outputs I want to pay attention to? Especially around financials, gross profit margin, right? Project timelines. Like I think a lot of that stuff's pretty simple for us to close the gap on and go, okay, these are important numbers for us to track. And as much as I love those things, I also have seen over the years and experienced firsthand, like it feels often like the numbers I'm looking at there's not a lot I can do about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it really, they tend to be, not always, but they tend to be more of a rear view mirror look. Mm-hmm. And I am either frustrated or excited about what it is that I'm looking at. And so one of the things that we've been taught years ago, we mm-hmm. didn't come up with this, but we were taught this, we, we learned how to execute on this and lean heavier into it, was this idea of leadership teams being more focused on keying in on how they can influence our team's leading activities or leading behaviors, yeah. right? For me, that's a similar scenario. It's it's us saying, okay, what we want is this end result, but I'm not going to wait to take action until I'm looking at that end result. Here's the things I can speak into today mm. that when leveraged correctly are going to most likely give me what I want on the output side right? Mm. On, the, on the other side. And so for me, it's just like, man, when I heard this idea about a billiards table and this concept of where we leave the ball, setting the stage for the next shot is so mission critical. And I thought, let's hang in that pocket a little bit today mm. and talk about how that applies to our business. So I want to give you the opportunity here, man, because I know you've been thinking about this all t- for two weeks at least. What is the recon client checklist? <laughs> ah, uh, uh. <laughs> Inside yeah. joke everybody. I know you don't get it I, but it's I just really I
0: just think when we're trying to become more intentional and strategic in how we're running our businesses. Usually or often there are things that we can do differently than how other people do it. There are skills that we can deploy. It's just like the billiards player, right? Applying english to a ball in order to control the cue after you put one ball in the pocket. Like that's a next level thing that like Most billiard players can't do or don't know how to do because they haven't developed that skill. So they don't even have the option of deploying that, you know, in their shot strategy. Yeah. Where they're putting the cue ball. And likewise, I think as restorers, we have we have a process, like a universal generalized mitigation process outline, recon process outline that most restorers deploy, right? There's a there's a sequence that we do in a construction project or a mitigation response that More or less, everybody does, right? But then there's these other things, right? We can do skills we can leverage and steps in our process that we can introduce that can have an outsized impact on how the rest of the project materializes. And like putting English on the ball and having the cue ball land where we want it to on the table. And, And I think the restoration checklist is one of those magic resources that you and I discovered through our own experience of just doing lots and lots and lots of projects, we've seen the effect of what that restoration checklist meeting does for our project outcomes, our customer relationship, the profitability on jobs, the customer experience overall, all the things. And so... I don't know. I just, I think it's interesting for us to focus on it. And, and are, are we saying, by the way, that this is some super fancy, sexy, sophisticated thing? No, it's no. not. It's not. And that's one of the reasons why we want to break it down is that anybody can do this and you could deploy it tomorrow. That's right. I are, think most winning
1: strategies are, are supported and supplemented with actually very basic, non sexy. Yeah.
0: Stuff. The simpler, the better. Right. Yeah. So how did this come about? And what, what is it solving for? Well, okay. Let's, let's talk about the most common failure points. In any full service restoration company, it's a lot of times the biggest, most expensive failures, most expensive, not just to our bottom line, to our EBITDA, but also to our customer, our reputation, is the recon side of our business. I think everybody can agree on that, right? And why is it so fraught with struggle? Well, you know, in construction, we just have so many more moving parts. We're also dependent on external partners to a degree that we aren't with mitigation, right? I mean, we're reliant on our skilled trades people in terms of the construction timeline, getting a electrician or a plumber in on a timely basis. That can be really tricky, right? Especially in today's trades market.
1: Well, and whatever um, variables they're experiencing in their business as a sub, yeah. now we've got that that we have no direct control over. Yeah,
0: That's no joke. Affecting the project, right? We're at the effect of just so many other things. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, over the last two three years, we've had more challenges with supply chain, right? To where getting materials, we've got backordered items and, and trades, trades, and then and then within all of those variables, there's an enormous burden of communication that we, as the restoration company, the GC, take on. To try to get in front of that stuff, to try to keep customers happy in spite of delays and back orders and all that kind of thing. So it's just, it's all of those things. It really is. Plus, all of the people elements, right? We have some project managers, project consultants, whatever you call them, that are more skilled at navigating all the elements of that timeline than others. Some are really great project runners. You know, you got those those salty dogs that have been running construction projects for their whole life, and it's like they're really good at that part, and they suck at the communication cadence. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got some that are just so great with people, and they're terrible at managing the construction timeline. Yeah. And then you have those people that are the unicorns that all of us are hunting for, that, uh, that manage to kind of thread the needle and get both. I think the construction, or excuse me, the restoration checklist document and meeting Help solve for all of that, including helping. I think equip your really awesome project managers that are great on the construction side, and those who are more great on the communication. It helps sort of level the table for for all the PMs that we work with.
1: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the most important element of this is that it's really that tool that we use to educate our clients. So yep. I think one of the ways that I always reference this when we talk to teams is it was kind of my secret sauce when it would come to competitive situations. So let's say we had a, a fairly decent sized fire. There was multiple contractors responding to that fire. One of the ways that I would try to sell that is it could, because you don't always know if you can get on. I think site,
0: the operative right? word is not sell it, but steal it, right? This is how you like. Well, to,
1: if we're honest, grab, uh, and, yeah, grab this, fire jobs. I, I would use this <clears throat> to grab and boy, do I have some counterparts in the industry that we traded exchanges on this kind of stuff. But, I think it was one of those scenarios where often you don't know if you can get on site. You're not even sure that you can get physical contact made, but you can get on the phone. And so where it started for me was how do I, what can I possibly say to develop enough relationship and rapport with this individual that I have that opportunity to potentially sell this at minimum earn the right to get onto the property, right? right. And have right. some time with them. And one of the strategies that I deployed really early on was, and I know some people are listening to be like, yeah, duh, we do this all the time, is I just asked basically like, what do you know about what you're about to get into? What have you been told? Right. Now you've helped clarify some of that, like make it more specific in terms of, you know, what, well, have you ever been through something like this before? But in a roundabout way, that's what we were doing. We're asking, have you ever experienced like something like this? And I would literally ask them for permission to give them some guidance on what the process will look like. Now understand, I don't have a contract. I haven't even been given the right to get onto the property. And for all I know, one of the first things I could have been told by this prospect was that Service Master was already there or pro, or whoever is already on side or we already dude. I've had scenarios where we already signed a contract and this still works. Yeah.
0: They had already signed a contract. They had somebody else.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I would just ask them the question, hey, are you is it okay if I just kind of share what this experience is going to look like? And and we would just start kind of at that generic level. And there was something really special then that would take place is over the next five, six, seven minutes, I would just explain to them in broad terms, have you ever heard of this role? Do you know what a public adjuster is? Do you know what an independent adjuster is? Mm. Do you know what a claims representative is? And I'm just giving them the rundown on who it is you've probably talked to, who you're likely going to talk to and really just kind of asking questions or providing insight as to what their rights are what their role is what these other people will do their decision authority and all those kinds of things right
0: can I want to double click on something you just said cuz i think words are so important right as people we have and we talk about this in a different context but all of us have these mental file folders and when we hear certain keywords it often will pull a file folder and it makes us think a certain way about that thing we're hearing, right? Because we're reacting maybe out of a past conversation or experience with somebody. Yeah. So words are important. And, and what you said, I think, is important of how you approach those phone calls. Instead of asking, hey, has anyone explained to you what this process is going to look like? Because their knee-jerk answer may be yes. Yeah. Because somebody explained something to them. Right. And so if you had asked it a different way and said, Hey, has anybody explained to you the process? They very well may have said, Oh yeah, the guy told us, you know, kind of what's what's gonna happen. And you don't necessarily know what they were down that. But I love there's something the operative thing that you said was, do you mind if I can I? I don't care if anybody else has explained it to you. Can I take a moment and explain the process of what's in front of you? A tiny difference in how you ask that question. It was critical. It was critical because yeah. if you'd have said it the other way, they may have said, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they told us what's going on. We already, right. whatever. I'm good. I already yeah. know the situation. right? You wanted an opportunity to share your explanation of the process and that 100%. made all the difference.
1: No, and it really did. And, and often what I would just see is people, it was building rapport and trust. Yeah. When someone who was not obligated to, someone that hadn't even really gotten in any kind of formal scenario, I mean, this works live in front of the person even better. Yeah. But it, it just worked. And, and ultimately, what I would end up with is that it would go from kind of this cold, not sure how to respond to me, yeah. within a few moments of me talking about the things, at least from my perspective at the time, that yeah. we felt were critical and or clients seemed to have the most friction with, you would hear the guard start to break down. And the next thing you know, they're starting to ask questions. And they, oh, oh really? I never, oh, I didn't understand that. Tell me more about that. And ultimately what would happen, you guys, often, like we're talking 70, 80% of the time, high, I would end up with a client that would be like, hey, do you mind, are you able to come out and take a look at my project? You bet I'll be there in 10 minutes. And a hundred percent of the time when you get on and site And once I'm on that. site okay. after already building that trust and rapport, if you think I can't close once I'm standing in front of you, I'm closing. That yeah. job's mine. Yeah. Right. And so so where did that We take effectively us?
0: had that happen on a on a large loss commercial. Oh yeah. 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 I mean it happened. multiple times. But it, it, one that I was involved in in particular. And by the way, guys. It's happened to
1: us. Oh yeah, when we didn't do a good job following our oh. own process of starting with
0: the end in mind, painful, bro. Right, painful. Yeah. So it it is uh, it is
1: painful when it comes back to cut
0: you. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's zoom back out. Let's get some gritty detail. what what is this we're talking about? Because you've referenced a number of the components of it. But yeah. again, the issue that we were struggling with when you developed this, or was somebody? I did you create this? Yeah, it's so. kind of a joint yeah, effort among some people. Sure. Yeah. Team sport but the struggle was is that we were having a lot of variability in our customer experience on the recon side again because we had some because everybody has a different personality like pms are very diverse in what their skill set is and so forth and so there's just a ton of variability and so we started with this restoration checklist we made it in a carbon copy you know kind of format used our local printer and printed up this single sheet with a signature area at the very bottom and this Resto Checklist essentially walks through what you were describing. First of all, it defines our role as the restoration company. What is Who are we serving? Who's our customer, i.e. you, the person we're talking to? And what is our role in all of this? And really clearly explaining to them the scope of our role and all the ways that we're going to be helping them in this process. Then it, right. then it gets more localized. Then it's what is my role as your project manager? What does that look like? What do you come to me for? Which essentially, outside of a scenario where you have a dedicated soup to nuts, you know, job file coordinator that's also kind of their single point of contact, outside of that kind of business structure, if you have that, that project manager is... Yeah. They're everything to them. Yeah, that's the QB. That's who you call. You got any issues? You Come to me. I'm going to be helping you I'm going to be working with your adjuster, right, to establish scope and and get you guys back to a pretty lost condition all the things. Plus I'm going to be doing this, plus I'm going to be doing that, just so you know. And then walking through all the other roles on the team. Hey, you know, one of the people that you're going to be talking to is somebody from our AR team, you know, it's it's Julie and it's Jonathan. I'm not sure who specifically we're reaching out to you, but here's their role, right? They're going to be helping you navigate the payment and billing and all that kind of stuff and and on and on and on and talking about also the other roles on the carrier side, right? Sometimes there's a claims assistant or there's a desk adjuster versus a field adjuster and helping them understand those roles. And oh, by the way, talking about the role of a of a public adjuster, because as all of us have experienced, we've been in the industry for more than a minute, every now and then a public adjuster gets involved in the project and it can be very confusing for the homeowner. It can be very confusing for anybody that's, that hasn't been through a large loss event but we know it happens sometimes. And so we're proactively introducing that role just in case it ends up appearing later, right? And on and on and on. And then it also takes people through the process. And the most important thing in the process that we really highlighted was the silent phase. And I don't know how many people refer to this. It's funny when I bring this up and when we brought this up in leadership workshops, it doesn't seem like something that people have really Necessarily identified and proactively talked to customers yeah, about. Do you want to talk about what that silent phase is?
1: Yeah, it's funny because you're right. Like it's like when we introduce the idea, everybody not they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Like everybody knows what it is. Yeah, but they haven't necessarily intentionally covered it or yeah. or tried to address it. And I think again, it's like if we go back to where this conversation started. That's the power, I think, in us thinking more about starting with the end in mind yeah. and really iterating that perspective. Like, how much can we really nerd out on that and change the process, change how we communicate, change, you know, what we do?
0: All right, Head Heart and Boots listeners. Wanted to stop here just a moment and thank our underwriting sponsor, Bloodlight Consulting Group. <laughs> as, as all of you know, right? You know, Brandon and I, this is our passion project, Head Heart and Boots is. But it's also a way of more and more that our consulting clients find us. And in effect, they interview us, right? Those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you get to know who we are, right? What we're about. So if Head, Heart and Boots is valuable to you, one of the best things you can do is share it with your friends. And it's been incredible to watch just the audience grow. And we still get text messages from many of you about shows that you really like and impacted you. So that's number one. And please keep doing that. Many of you have been huge advocates of the show. We also just want to remind you, too, if you're a restoration company owner and you're interested in a partner in your growth, you want some help building out systems, developing your leadership teams, helping set up the infrastructure for you to scale and grow into the company that you're trying to build. That's what we do. That's what we do is we come alongside restoration company leaders. We help equip them and we help support them in that growth trajectory. So if you're looking for that, go to floodlightgrp.com. Potentially, we could be a great match for each other.
1: Another way that we really do serve our client base and our sphere of influence is through our premier partners. We work really hard to vet those folks that we believe bring a level of value to the industry, that it can really be leveraged in a way to have a sincere, positive impact on your business. We take that very seriously. The, the folks that we create those kind of ongoing partnerships, that's not a check-the-box kind of scenario. It's it's we really see strategic alignment in the value that they bring. We see value in the way that their leadership teams and their partners are developed. And we've done very sincere work of ensuring that these folks that we introduce our clients and our sphere to can actually create vetted value. So go check out floodlightgrp.com forward slash premier slash partners and see if there's some folks on there that you can connect with and begin developing some other resources to support your growth and your business. So this silent phase, and I think we've talked about this a lot of different times, but the silent phase is that handoff that happens between our EMS, our mitigation teams, and the rebuild, our recon team. Mm. And there's this moment where from a client's perspective, I think we we don't, we undervalue is they just went through, let's call it a week yeah. of hurry. Major action happened. It was equipment. It's this, get the drive, you know. Demo completed as soon as possible. We're trying to make decisions and make movements to prevent microbial growth. It's it's go go go. Yeah. And then there's this interesting pause that happens because it. Well, let me let me preface this a little bit. If we're protecting our cash flow and we don't bankroll construction projects, there is a lull that happens where two key things are going on. One is we're getting an ex, a scope established. And then we're getting an agreement on scope and price point with the carrier or with our partner, with our referral, whatever. Okay. Well, during that piece, if you were to look at a project, there's going to be maybe minimum work and maybe no work happening. And from the client's perspective, where we just had bodies and gear and equipment, it was move, move, move. I came in the middle of the night, all the things. And now all of a sudden, it's a little bit more eight to five. It's, there's these administrative things going on that I don't necessarily understand. And so from my house, from my seat, my business, it doesn't really look like anything's happening.
0: Well, okay. And then, but it's even more significant than that, right? Because think about the emotional kind of arc of the customer experience, right? First of all, I mean, one of the uniquenesses of our industry is, right, virtually everybody comes to us in some state versus, say, a remodeler or a, a retail GC, Everybody comes to us in some state of fear, frustration, anxiety, confusion, et cetera. So it starts there, right? And if we do a really great job in that initial response, right, we're calming down some of those fears and anxieties. We're explaining the process and stuff. But then we're also, we're filling their space with, in most cases, loud, noisy equipment that now they're cohabitating around. Oftentimes, we have containment that we've put up that changes their living space. A lot of stuff is happening, but a lot of stuff is happening that's modifying their living environment. Yeah. And then now, so so then they start to get excited. Oh, cool. Things are happening, but they're not very fun. And it's really annoying. And it's adding stress to our lives as our family, because we all have normal lives on top of dealing with this modified space. And then there's this pause break where nothing's happening. So now there's spaces in disarray. Yeah right? Maybe now all the equipment's gone. And then there's this very real kind of holy shit moment of how long are we going to be in this situation? Like my house is tore up, right? From the floor. up, Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You yeah. know, it's possible my dishwasher is sitting in the middle of my kitchen because, right? Cabinet right. damage, da-da-da-da-da. And so the emotional arc of what's happening for that customer for years, right? As you and I were coming up in business until we identified this and really problem solved around this dynamic, that silent phase was yet another surprise. 100%. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, so where are we going with this whole conversation? Starting with the end in mind, what are we doing? We're educating our client proactively on these things that will set us up for the next shot. So like, for instance, this whole silent phase, the reason it was so mission critical for us to address this somehow proactively is that it always felt like time and time again, we were answering questions or doing service recovery, for lack of a better description, when the client would call and be somewhat pissed off. They don't know what's going on and why is nothing happening? Yeah. And there was always a good reason. Well, we're negotiating a scope. We don't want you to have out-of-pocket expenses that aren't warranted. Like Lining up subs. We're working on your behalf right now. And and, in all actuality, a lot of times, this is that work that kind of sucks, if we're honest. This is, I'm beating my head against the wall. I'm trying to get approvals, right? All this stuff. So what we just determined with that is, the better job we did just warning the client that this is going to happen and giving them a clear picture of what we were actually doing, even though visibly it may not be that obvious... It just took all of that yeah. down a level. And then when it would happen, yeah. when the client would inevitably get three, four days into waiting for this scope approval and us to do something on the recon side, they're like, oh, Jojo told me this was going to happen. This is what they talked about. Right? And then it almost re-cements them mm. to you in the relationship because they're like, aha, they were right. They told me this was going to happen. And so for me, I kind of I go back to the billiards table yeah. That was one of those first scenarios where you take your opening shot and then you get the ball where you want it. So we're prepared to take the next one in the job of life cycle, right? Well, and you know, sometimes,
0: yeah. And, and you know, sometimes if we're diligent to have this restoration checklist meeting with every single client. Some of them go a lot faster than others, oh, right? Yeah. So if we're setting, if we're setting a realistic or maybe even slightly more negative anticipation of, hey, we call this the silent phase and it can be very frustrating. Oh, yeah. You know, most customers find this period very frustrating because it's like, wow, our life has been disrupted and we have people in our home, our home is in disarray, stuff's torn out, da-da-da-da, and it's just this waiting game. It feels very frustrating. And sometimes it can take a few days. Sometimes it's weeks where it feels like that. And we just want to let you know that up front. Right? Then... When we've got people back on site four days later, they're like, oh, well, that wasn't very long. Yeah. That and now, true. now, now we have an enhanced experience. Yeah. Right. Even though if we hadn't had that conversation and we'd, we'd had no contact for even three days, a physical contact, well, they would have been anxious, frustrated, pissed off. But yeah. because we had that conversation, it's like, well, four days, is, that's not bad. Yeah. We're so, winning.
1: Yeah. We're winning with this proactive. We're ahead. We made right? a
0: deposit, in fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Here's another example, kind of off the off this. Let's let's switch directions. Today I was doing, you know, sometimes what I do is I'll sit in on a client's production meeting. Mm. We're basically we're just shadowing, fly on the wall, kind of watching how it rolls out, what they're doing, what they're covering. And then we just have a coaching session afterwards, talk about, hey, how did that go? What could we do? And I was on one today and it was solid. There was plenty of things happening. And then one of the things I just wanted to orient them around was a shift in mentality on how the reporting went. So one of the things that's really common when I sit in a production meeting, and, and dude, I know there's some people listening that were in mine. So be, I, I want to be crystal clear here. This is a working process always, right? Be gentle. Yeah, be gentle, man. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking Natalie Walker out there yeah. no longer. Of course, that's how freaking old that is, Natalie Walker. Anyways, Nat, I know you're out there hearing that. It's like, you screwed up plenty of production meetings. Anyways, so in in a production meeting this morning, I'm listening to the team go through this. And I just said, hey... One of the core principles that we want to shift into, because we all fight these production meetings that go on for like a day. It's like we're in there for hours. We're talking about drywall and this counter and this guy's attitude. And this, I mean, they're dreadful. But one of the things I, I was trying to get them to make a shift on is, I want project managers to ultimately roll into that meeting and tell me what's happening with their book mm. of business. And then I'm just validating and verifying that against the notes and the preparation that I did before the meeting started. Yeah. Right, So I'm looking at our whip. I'm highlighting things that are red flagged for me based on standards. And then they report on it. And then I just get to ask more questions. But it's not me dragging information out of my staff. Yeah. Well, again, if we go back to the billiards table, setting the shots up, well, it's not fair for me to have an expectation of one of my team members if I don't literally tell them what I'm anticipating and what I want. Yeah. So the, the difference in that scenario, or how do I start with the end in mind, is I just hit reset and I say, look, here's a weekly production standard we have to hit. Like you have to produce this much and billable work. So we're going to talk about that. And I give clarity about what that number is and what the expectation is. Mm we identify what our strategy around AR and the role that we play in AR is. And then I just set that example. Hey, when you show up, this is what I'm anticipating to have covered by you. Right? And we do that with all our primary things. Average job lifecycle times, gross profit, cost versus spend, contract values. And basically what I do is I set the stage for what I want my PM to report on. And I literally teach them how to show up to my meeting and report in a way that's valid. Yeah. Okay. I'm starting with the end in mind. I don't have an anticipation of something and then not do anything to proactively set the stage for that to happen. So right. again, in my mind, when I do that, when I when I have that walkthrough and I sit my PMs down or whatever the staff is and I say, when we roll into a production meeting, here's what we're covering and here's how I need you to report on it. Not micro. Please do not hear me as if I'm micromanaging. I just want them to be focused on the right shit, just like I do, right? We don't have all day to be here. So then by setting that tone, I'm leaving the ball where I need it to be set up for the next shot. And when that team member rolls into my meeting, me having the realistic expectation that they'll report to me based on our KPIs, KPMs, focus, priorities, whatever, is going to happen. Because I've taught them how to do it, right? Right. So this starting with end in mind is something that reflects into all the different areas of our business. And I think the part I just want to key in on or, or, or just kind of pull to the front of people's minds, especially leaders in our industry, is what are we doing in our day-to-day leadership cadence that puts us more into the position to be managing and inspecting leading activities and behaviors? Because I know then, when I go to look at measurables, reports, right, P&Ls, yeah. I'm probably going to see the picture I want to see. Yeah, That's really what this whole concept about. What's another area of
0: the business? Well, not, kind of not only that, real quick, though, on the yeah. on the production meeting, because one of the things that we find in companies of all sizes, less so maybe at the really large size end of the spectrum, but but even then sometimes is a lack of consistency with their production meeting cadence. Mm. Shit happens. Yeah. Oh, we're too busy. Yeah. Too much going on. We'll punt it gets punted to another day and then all of a sudden it's doesn't punted till the next week doesn't yeah. happen and i think one of the reasons we've encountered that comes along is rather than taking that approach of the production meeting it's more of a cadence of everybody showing up and going line by line through every job oh, that's in in process brutal and it's like checking every single job and it's like well no but when you when you set it up when you equip people when you train people around the standard you just described well, now all of a sudden, instead of going through all 80 jobs on our whip, right, each person is coming to focus on the outliers that need to be discussed. That's right. Right. That are out of compliance. Right. right. They're either out of compliance in terms of cost versus collected, they're out of compliance on cycle times, the compliance on their their GP. And then we focus our effort on that. And so instead of having a thing that creeps into a three-hour production meeting, that's right, which then reinforces The next time we don't have time for that meeting, instead, we have an efficient touch point that keeps us on top of our work and keeps us in alignment with the objectives we have. And and I think too, what I experienced over time, because occasionally I would jump in on those production meetings, I wasn't there all the time back in the day, but is that those meetings became so much more efficient instead of them being sometimes the three hours. It was like, man, sometimes they were get in, get out. Yeah. Cover the basics, move on. Let's go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go be you know? with people. Nobody wants to hang, nobody wants to hang in meetings longer than they have to, any of None us. Of of no, no. Nor can we afford the time. No. The energy.
1: Right. And again, I think this idea, it's it's universal across the business. It applies to just about every strategy, every decision, every department, every team member that we're engaging, right? Like I think this whole again, starting with the end in mind. I think we build our training based on that. Yeah. We, we think about what is it that we need to be done? What is it that we need to have accomplished for this to be a productive experience? And we train to that. Yeah. And it doesn't always mean that... And again, it's like, I think this is, you know, trying to tie this back to this whole billiards table thing, because I think it's a really great way to look at it is, even in our training process, mm-hmm. you don't go from green to large loss mitigation project manager. Like... What are we doing, <laughs> right? There's phases to that. We mm. we go from green team member to a certified technician that's capable of really being a great supporting personnel. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's set that shot up. Let's take that shot and make sure that at the end, they're primed to then move into the second phase of their mm. training, where we turn them more into a lead or a crew chief, mm. depending on what kind of system that you're from, right? But again, and then you set that shot up. Right. We lay that foundation. We take a nice shot. The ball's ready. And now we get them ready to deploy into the third tier of training, whatever the case may be. But it's just this. It's this. I don't want to say plotting, but it is. It's not plotting. It's plotting. It's being intentional about when we take this action, it's going to return this kind of result. And then that result will set us up to go to the next stage, the next phase. And I just think that we often forget this. We just get so integrated into reaction. Everything is firefighting. Everything is is whack-a-mole. Everything is react, 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 react. And then we just create this inevitable cycle. We can't stop. It's just you've set so many band-aids.
0: There ain't a whole lot of good tissue left, right? Like We're not doing things very intentionally. Another area of the business and we're quickly approaching the end of year. It's so funny, man. The older I get, the more it's like year-end planning starts in August. Jeez, <laughs> <at least. laughs> because you just, you, you get past that half year mark and it's just, it feels as though the the moon is accelerating around the sun. Is that the right way to say it? Oh is God, that it's science-based? All in butt. Right? It just, it it seems to go faster. And I think particularly in our business because hurricane season spools up here in the second half of the year. And it's like, Depending on where you live, that really drives kind of the company clock, so to speak. But pro formas. We're getting ready to do pro forma planning with all of our clients, right? And you know, how many people out there that are listening to this have you've never done a pro forma? What is a pro forma, right? A pro forma is the very definition of beginning with the end in mind. It's, you know, preparing a pro forma here in Q4 of 2023 essentially helps you establish a roadmap, plots on the map. Of what is 2024 going to look like? And how do we take an intentional approach week in, week out, month in, month out? What's our playbook? Do you have a playbook? It's different from a business plan, you know, business plan, right? And we've developed those and we, we, they're great. We advocate for business plans, but performers in a lot of ways are so much better than a business plan because it's really asking the question, not only what are we going to do, but how, like where are we going to spend money? to do those things that we want to do, right? So it's like, hey, if we want to grow, we want to add two more locations. Okay, well, what kind of costs will be associated with that? How do we cover those costs? What is that going to look like? What are the support personnel are we going to have to hire for that? And when? And it's really thinking through and mapping out, what do I want 2024 to look like? And just imagine how much more strategic and efficient you can be if you've not just thought through, hey, we want to grow our sales by 25 percent this next year and we want to grow we want we want to grow commercial by 50 percent, a lot of times that's where people's business yeah, planning that's is where it stops yeah but oh, we're going to hire two more sales reps and we're going to really dive into commercial and we're going to open a second location and I'm going to hire a GM. It's like, wow, okay well you just identified a grip ton of expenses and We haven't explicitly shown what those expenses are and how they're going to get paid for. You know what I mean? So it's like beginning with the end in mind, I think is just taking time in our cadence to step back and say, okay, what do I want this to look like? Yeah. And I think coming all the way back to the restoration checklist is that's what we did. We said, okay, what, what ultimately do we want this to look like at the end of the project? How can we facilitate this with this tool? How do we... That's right. What kind of experience do we want our customer to have? And then how can we facilitate
1: that? And what kind of experience we want to have? How fast do we want to collect? That's right. When do we want to collect? Right. Do we want a five star review? How are we going to get all that, that five star review? Right. And I think you're right. Like just some, some clarification with the whole Proforma thing. I think, you know, what Chris is really talking about is, is it's using all the tools in that strategic planning session at the end of the year. It's a it's a real pro forma that allows you to map out the financial ramifications of your decisions. It allows you to lay out when and where you're going to spend, right? And then you partner that up with some legitimate steps that would need to be taken in order for that to come to fruition. Yeah. You know, some people use EOS, you know, as a management system. Some people just, you know, like us, we just, it's a milestone document. It's like we plot out what we're going to sprint from week yeah. in and week out to get towards these bigger quarterly objectives and I think that's what you're talking about it's it's not just stopping at this 30,000 foot hey team we're going to do 20 million this year cool how are you going to get there
0: yeah how's it affect where is it going to come from
1: what pace are you going to be on
0: who's going to sell it yeah. yeah that's right what
1: quarter how is it going to be supported who will do that how do you sign it you know all these things yeah. that's the rest of that starting with the end in mind and maybe here here's kind of maybe a place I think to kind of land the plane and, and draw this to, to a close is really what we're talking about is encouraging leaders to understand the value of them having bandwidth. I just watched so many teams and I was subject to this. I did it to myself. Sometimes out of just of a lack of proactive engagement, sometimes out of being naive, sometimes out of, I don't know, just having to. I just, I didn't always have enough leadership bandwidth in my mm-hmm. teams. And so you're asking people to proactively manage your business, yet they don't have time to be proactive. They Mm -hmm. are freaking running from task to task, filling in this hole, plugging their finger into this hole of the dam. React, 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 react. And there's no way they can create a strategy. There's no way they can set the stage from this shot to ensure the next shot has the highest chance of being successful. Unless they have leadership bandwidth to be proactively engaging the business, whether it be at the department level, individual level, or company level, mm-hmm. it's just mission critical. So again, it's, it's like this idea, guys. It's, it's a billiards table, right? It's setting, setting up your shot. It's beginning with the end in mind and understanding where we leave off, where we set the stage, where we leave the ball matters for the next shot, the next phase, the next
0: push in our business and our strategy. I just want to give some other examples of this cuz this is part of your gifting. Like this you have this is part of sort of your CEO skill set. And I've just watched it for the last several years is you have you have a discipline around this. Like we have our own pro forma as an example where you routinely bring us, "Hey, let's let's do a quick financial review. Let's see where we're at." When we go to talk about one of our consultants their book of business is full and it's like, "Okay, let's go back to the pro forma." This means we're getting ready to hire this person that costs already been accounted for. Here's what we have. Here's and then, you know, in three months from now, then this thing, we're going to hit this level. Like you, it requires, I think as leaders, what it requires us to do is to set a cadence of reflection for ourselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's building some routine time, some checks. Like you use Google Tasks. You have the yep. your task list inside Google. You set reminders for yourself. The way to manage it is, I mean, who cares? But that's something I've watched in you is that you have a personal internal cadence of circling back from time to time and saying, okay, let's, let's go back to what was our plan and talking through that. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people, it's, they have the shiny object syndrome and yeah. it is just so hard for them to do anything more than once. Yeah. They'll go on a business retreat. They'll take a day off and go get an Airbnb at the coast and have their journal and do their thing but they fail to really create a habit yeah. of personal accountability where they revisit that plan. It's like they take a fresh look at the end that yep. they're trying to achieve. And I've just, you know, props to you. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I appreciate having you as a business partner is that that's just a discipline you've developed okay. and been committed to. You've, you've been unwavering on it. In fact, I it again, it was one of the things that attracted me to you as a business partner, but, but you never skipped a beat. It's like the moment we finished our LLC, you're like, hey, I just so I want to show you this pro forma I put together. And I basically have the next five years lined out of how we're going to go from zero to empire. And then it's just been like clockwork. We come back to the document. We look, okay, what's the roadmap? Where are we at? Oop, we lost a little steam here. We need to make up for that. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to put a little more money in here in our budget. And then we're going to delay this for another week or two. And like, that's, dude, it's discipline. Like beginning with the end in mind is not clever... It's not a one, a one and done kind of thing of me, you know, having a moment of meditation. It's a discipline that you never, ever stop
1: doing. You yeah. Know? And I think what's really cool about just the kind of that reflection, that example is developed. Yeah. That's the key. And it's yeah. developing.
0: Yeah. It's not, you know I mean, yeah, you weren't born with it. No, not even. Kind Probably of. started with the military. So, yeah. some elements of that, right. But you've uh, I mean, I think that's the important message for all of us.
1: Is that yeah. when we hear about some of these things, and we identify, "Hey, these could really move the needle, or or really change the shape of my business." Like you can do it. Yeah. It's learn skills. It's the reminders, right? It's, it's the it's the mechanical things that we do yeah. to shift what we know now and and move
0: into some behaviors that are more optimal for mm. the business. But it's a good talk, man. Cool gang. If this has held, held value for you, the number one way that you could thank us, if you desire to, is to share this with your friends. I mean, it's just, I can't tell you how many people have come up to us at conferences or messaged us and it's like, hey, my friend shared one of your podcasts and now I've listened to 20 of them, yep. right? And uh, I also think of my friend, Jason, who runs a construction company right here in town. I go to the same gym with him and he found our podcast. He saw me wearing one of the shirts one time. and And then I find out later another buddy from his company, was like, yeah. Jason was telling me about how he's been listening to your podcast. I checked out a couple episodes. It was awesome, you know, blah blah blah. So the best way you can thank us is by uh, sharing our podcast. But if you and your business really need a battle buddy, partner in your growth, you're having trouble holding the team and yourself accountable to what you know it's going to take to get your business to that next level, and you want to partner, reach out to us. Let's talk about Floodlights Consulting. Um, that's another way that we potentially can help. Or if you know somebody that's trying to grow certainly keep us in mind. But thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you back here shortly. Later.
1: All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Head, Heart &
0: Boots. And if you're enjoying the show but you love this episode, please hit follow, formerly known as subscribe, write us a review, or share this episode with a friend. Share it on LinkedIn, share it via text, whatever. It all helps. Thanks for listening.